there. So we're going to do a message uh, on Thanksgiving because it's Thanksgiving weekend. And we're going to talk about being thankful. And today I want to start on the Thanksgiving message. I want to start by giving you a bit of history about Thanksgiving. You know, where did it come from? How did we get this day of Thanksgiving? What is it all about? So I'm going to read some quotes about it. Uh, and uh, maybe you weren't sure where it started. You're going to know after today. So the origins of Canadian Thanksgiving are closely connected to the traditions of Europe, uh, more so than the United States Thanksgiving. Long before Europeans settled in North America, festivals of thanks and celebration of harvest took place in Europe in the month of October. So this was something that happened uh, in those areas long before anybody came here. And then it says Thanksgiving celebration in North America took place, the very first one, when Martin Frobisher, an explorer from England, arrived in Newfoundland in 1578. So that's a long time ago. He wanted to give thanks for his safe arrival to the New World. Now, a little more in-depth of how that happened. The expedition that they were on was plagued by ice and freak storms, which at times scattered the fleet. On meeting again at their anchorage in Frobisher Bay, Maester Wolfall, a learned man appointed by Her Majesty's Council to be the minister and preacher, made to them a godly sermon, exhorting them especially to be thankful to God for their strange and miraculous deliverance in those dangerous places. So there was someone appointed by the queen to be on the ship to be a minister, a pastor for the ship. And when they arrived, they stopped, they had a Thanksgiving time, and they actually had communion way back in 1578 in the Newfoundland, Canada. And guess what? That was a beginning for this country, a beginning for people who came and said, let's be thankful to God. Now, for a few hundred years, Thanksgiving was celebrated either in late October or early November. And uh, then eventually it was declared a national holiday in 1879. And then in November 6th, it was set aside as the official Thanksgiving holiday. So the day moved around uh, back then. But then on January 31st, 1957, under the liberal government of Prime Minister Louis St. Laurent, the Canadian Parliament announced that on the second Monday in October, Thanksgiving would be set. And this is a quote, it would be set as a day of general thanksgiving to Almighty God for the bountiful harvest with which Canada has been blessed. This day, you guys, it's not just a day to be like, oh, thanks. It's a day to be thankful to the Almighty God. And what a privilege we have. And what an amazing thing to see that the foundation, the beginning, before we were ever a nation, thankfulness to Almighty God was done and communion was taking place on this land. Hey, that's a good beginning. And I believe God has some good things coming. Now, another interesting fact about Thanksgiving is the fact that there's a lot of turkey eaten on Thanksgiving. Who here is having turkey for Thanksgiving? Nobody's having turkey. <laughs> oh, ham or turkey. Okay, you got to have turkey. Anyhow, I am having turkey on Thanksgiving. Turkey is good. Now, <laughs> on Thanksgiving last year in 2020, 
there were 2.5 million whole turkeys purchased by Canadians. That is 36% of all turkeys through the whole year are bought for Thanksgiving. That is about 40 million pounds of turkey that are eaten on Thanksgiving. That's a lot of turkey. And I definitely have my share. Okay. So the point in this is that Thanksgiving is not a good day if you're a turkey. But for everybody else, this is a good day. Okay. <laughs> so we are going to be thankful. We are going to enjoy and praise God for what he's done. Now, obviously, today, I don't want to just give you statistics. I want to tell you what God's word has to say about being thankful, because he has a lot in his word to say to us. Now, right away, when you go to scripture, you'll see that in the Old Testament, under the old law, thanksgiving was put right into the Levitical law. And they were actually told to give a thanksgiving offering. Now, I'm just going to explain it rather than read it. But for those who like to check things out, Leviticus 7, 12 to 15 is where you can check that out. But let me explain. They had an offering called a thanks offering. And the thanks offering was actually among the peace offerings. So there was a time they would bring uh, food and give a thanks offering to God. Now, there were some food that the meat was burned as an offering, other times uh, the bread was given and it would be for the priests, but the thank offering, the offering that they brought, they would bring it, bless it, thank the Lord for their offering, and then they were told to eat it before the day was out. What an interesting offering that when you are thankful, it comes back to you and you get to eat it. Isn't that amazing? I believe that's a key about being thankful, and it was established way back then in the old law. Being thankful is something you get to eat. All right? So remember that. Being thankful comes back to you. We see also, when we read Scripture, that being thankful was something that was to be joyful. And there was music and praise involved. It was a big part of being thankful. We read in scripture how David set up a tent where they could put the things of God. It was the original temple, but it was really a big tent structure. And David was king at this time, and he decided to bring the Ark of the Covenant and put it in the tent. And when he finally got the Ark of the Covenant there, and the Ark of the Covenant was the gold box that the priests would carry on their shoulders. It had the Ten Commandments and some other things in it. And it was at that time where the presence of God would reside. So they wanted that in their city. And so David brought it. He set it in the tent. And then he did some thanking. And in 1 Chronicles 16, 34, we read this. It says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his loving kindness endures forever. Then say, save us, O God of our salvation. Gather us together and rescue us from the nations. That we may give thanks to your holy name. And glory in your praise. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, forever and ever. And all the people said, Amen. And praise the Lord. So David left Asaph and his relatives there before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to minister before the Ark continually 
as each day's work required. Now here is an amazing picture. They bring this box where God's presence resides. Then they have a celebration. When they finish the celebration, David tells Asaph, who was the lead, if you will, musician, the worship pastor, one of three. And he leaves them there with his relatives to thank and worship God continually. Because you will see in scripture that being thankful is a big deal to God. Now, in your mind, maybe you're thinking, okay, so Ace of his relatives, like a dozen people or so, knows a whole lot more. Let me give you a scripture that gives a number, and that's in 1 Chronicles 23, 5. Now, just so you know, as they step ahead in time, David has now set up everything necessary for the temple, the actual structural building that he couldn't build, but his son would build. David did everything to get it ready. Even the workers were set in place before it was built. And he's telling Solomon and those that are under him, this is what I've done. There's 4,000 who will work as gatekeepers and 4,000 will praise the Lord with the musical instruments I have made. So the Levites were, their tribe was supposed to do the work of ministry and there was about 38,000 of them and 4,000 of those were specific for praising and thanking God. So this wasn't just a handful of people that David left to do the praising, but 4,000. In 1 Chronicles 25, 1 to 7, I'm, we're not going to put it up, but if you want to check it, you can. I'm going to explain it. They give even more detail of the breakdown in the organization in worship and thanks. You see, it wasn't just 4,000 people doing whatever, but there was order and structure to it. And in our terminology that you would understand, there was basically three worship pastors, 24 worship leaders, 264 skilled musicians, and over 3,700 others on the worship team. And they were divided into 24 groups, praising and giving thanks continually to the Lord. There was some structure, organization. Each of them put in a position, and this was their time, and this was their group. Praising and thanking God is a big deal to God. All right, David was a man after God's own heart because he understood something about being thankful in worship. He understood it's from the heart and it's a big deal. Now David worshiped God when the only audience he had was a bunch of sheep because the audience you worship for is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords only, Jesus. But we are blessed to have worshipers and team that lead us into worshiping him. Because praise and thanks is a big deal. I want you to remember that. That's why I'm asking you to do that. Being thankful is a big deal. Psalm 69 and verse 30 says, I will praise the name of God with a song and I will magnify him with thanksgiving. What are you thankful for? You know, it is easy to think about what we don't like what we want to complain about, but what are you thankful for? Often we take for granted so many things and we don't have a thankful heart or a thankful mind. So start thinking right now what you're thankful for because in a bit I'm going to ask a few of you to share. What are you thankful for? 
Psalm 95 and verse 2 says, Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. And Psalm 100 and verse 4. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. In other words, if you want to enter into the presence of God, you do it by being thankful. I can tell you this, you will never enter his presence by complaining. We won't. Try it. Next Sunday when they're worshiping, just complain and see how much of his presence you feel. You will feel zero. Because we enter his presence with thanksgiving. It is a fact. As a matter of fact, let me challenge you a little bit. If you're feeling, ah, I haven't really felt God's presence for a while, then I want you to do a self-check and ask yourself, have I been complaining a lot about things or have I been thankful? When you have a heart of thankfulness, you easily feel his presence because we are to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Not with what I'm upset about, what I'm complaining about, what I don't like. Enter his presence with thanksgiving. Then bring your petitions and the things you don't understand and the things you wish he could change. Go ahead. But first, be thankful. I really, do, I really do believe that God totally has got you and I, you know, and uh, we can be thankful for so many things. And when you do, it changes how you feel about life. And it changes even, I would believe, your future. But I'm going to get to that in a little bit. Psalm 107 verse 22 says, let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. Sometimes maybe you just have to be thankful even if you don't feel like it, okay? That's what a sacrifice is. So I want to encourage you, be thankful. Now I've learned something in scripture that thankfulness can actually be a step of faith that brings blessing and joy. Okay, thankfulness can be a step of faith that brings the blessing and joy, that brings the change. So I'm going to read you a couple stories from Scripture that show this. Now, this first story I'm going to read, Jesus has actually been teaching the people for three days, and they have no food, and they're in a wilderness area. And he says to his disciples, well, you get them food. We can't do that. We have no money. And then Jesus says, well, what do we have? And they go check. And they find a young boy. And in verse 9 of chapter 6 of John, John 9, chapter 6, I mean John 6, verse 9. And we'll get it. Okay, verse 9. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Okay, the disciples still hadn't quite got it. And whoever was voicing this was, you know, maybe the leader of the disciples. They had found this is all we got. Five barley loaves, two fish, but you know, what good is that? Jesus knows something and he teaches us a lesson in this next part of this story that we should never forget. He says, tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. 
After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. Now, there is a part in this story that I want you to focus on today. You see, the disciples saw it and said, this is not enough. Like, this is nothing compared to what we need. It won't work. Jesus saw also that in the natural, this is not enough. But he took the not enough and he made it more than enough. Do you hear me? Jesus took the not enough and made it more than enough. And he did it with this one thing. He took it, he gave it to God, and he thanked him for what he'd given Thank you, Lord. It doesn't tell us what he said, but I can imagine. Thank you, Father, for what you've given us. Because you know, and even in our minds, this looks like not enough. It's going to be more than enough. And then it says he broke it and gave it. And you know the story. He obviously just kept breaking and breaking and breaking. God multiplied it because he was thankful. If he'd had the same attitude as the disciples, well, we just got this, but it's not enough. There would have been no miracle. There would have been no multiplying. Thankfulness is key to seeing more come of what you're thankful for. Thankfulness can change everything. Let me give you an example in the natural. If you're uh, married and uh, possibly... I know today men and women cook, but let's say your wife cooks you food when you first got married, and you were thankful. What's going to happen? She's going to cook more for you. Now, if she cooked you and you complained about her food, you better learn to cook because she's not cooking for you again. Being thankful brings more of what you were thankful for. Learning to be thankful makes a difference. And can I say for relationships, being thankful for what you like and appreciate will bring more of it. Complaining or focusing on what you don't like will just make it seem bigger to you and will change nothing. Be thankful and watch that expand and grow in your relationship. Let me give you a little relationship tip here. When you got married... God didn't put you together so you could change your partner. I say this from time to time to couples. Husband, you are not your wife's father. You're, you know, you're not raising her up, training her, telling her what to do. She had a father. If he couldn't change her, what makes you think you're going to? Okay, now let me flip it around. Wives, you didn't marry a husband to be their mom and change them and tell them what to do and how to do it. Their mom couldn't change them. What makes you think you're going to? God puts you together to be one to fulfill his purpose. You be thankful for what you've been given from God. And you find things to thank them for and to encourage and bless them. And where there's issues, you take it to God and let him change them. Because if you think you're put there to change your spouse, you th- you're acting like God. You're not in God's shoes. You can't change anybody. So Stop. Like, no wonder there's a lot of stress in a marriage. I thought I was going to change them. Quit. Be thankful for what they have and take to prayer the things you feel need to change and watch God do something. Okay? 
be thankful and watch good things multiply. You see, thankfulness truly is a step of faith. When we speak it, we can see good things coming. And as our brother shared, I just, you know, I'm thankful and I'm believing you. Know, this is going to change. God put that on my heart. We can be thankful and we will see change come even before it looks in the natural like it's coming. So let me give you a story about that in Scripture. I'm going to read from Acts 27. I'm going to do a little explaining first and then give you some verses. But the Apostle Paul had been taken prisoner and now he was put on a ship. And they're going on the ship over to their next location. There's other prisoners. There's a crew. And Paul actually tells them before they left, we shouldn't go, you know, this is not going to be good. Anyhow, they get out there. There's a terrible storm. And they all feel like they're going to die. It is bad. They feel like they're going to die. You know, Paul is thinking to himself, they didn't listen. They should have, you know, but here we are. The storm is horrible. We can't see the sun. It keeps going. They begin to think they're going to lose their lives. And so Paul does what he always does. He goes on Facebook and complains. My life is horrible. I'm about to die and it's everyone else's fault. It's especially the government's fault. And here's a picture of my supper. Uh, it's nothing because we're fasting right now. Hashtag complaining. Okay, of course he didn't do that. And of course I'm making a little fun. He did what he always did. He went to prayer. Okay, he went to prayer. He went to the solution. He went to the solution maker, Jesus Christ, the Heavenly Father, and he went in prayer. And it says in this story that he went to prayer and God sent an angel to give him a message. And we want to read that in verse 22 of Acts chapter 27. But take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of God to whom I belong and to whom I serve stood beside me. And he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. Paul didn't sit there and complain. He didn't just get mad at everybody. He went to prayer and he said, okay, God, I know you got a solution. God gives him this word. Paul, I've got you and I've also got everybody who's in your ship. Ooh, look out. I want to tell you right now, Christian, God has put you into a ship somewhere, whether it's a business, a community, you're in a ship and your attitude can determine what happens to everybody in that ship. Everybody. <laughs> I kind of like having work because, you know, I can pay my bills. You're in the right ship. You start thanking God. You start getting a word from God and he will save that ship, the people in it, because of you. Are you thankful though? Or are you going to join the others who are complaining saying, our life is over, we're all going to die? Christian, your attitude can determine the future. Your willingness to be thankful or a complainer will determine the future of the ship you're in. You have that much authority because of Christ in you. Nobody else in the ship could. We don't know, but there was likely no other Christian on that ship, only Paul, and he was a prisoner. A nobody in their eyes. And the ship, the people on it, nobody would lose their life. You know, maybe there's some things that we're going to go through. Maybe there's some stuff. But hey, 
God's got this if you'll go to him, if you'll choose an attitude. But if you just join everybody else, don't you realize that everybody on this ship was like, we are all about to die. Paul was the only one who didn't go along with that. He's the only one who didn't join in with complaining. Yep, sure enough. If he had, it would have been a different story. Well, it probably wouldn't have been in here. Paul the Apostle died in a shipwreck because all he wanted to do was complain. Yeah, they wouldn't, it wouldn't have made it here because Paul couldn't have told anybody to write it. Oh, I'm kind of hopefully encouraging you a little here this morning because sometimes we forget that our unwillingness to be thankful can change your future. It can change your relationship. It can change your job situation. So can you choose to look for things to be thankful for today? Being thankful is an awesome thing. Wake up in the morning and be thankful. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. You don't know what the day is going to bring. Why not start with, this is the day he made. I'm thankful. It's going to be good. Your attitude of thankfulness has a great effect on what's coming. Now, Paul gave them this message. He told them clearly this is what the angel said, but nothing changed. Absolutely nothing. It was still no sun, no stars, still a storm, still people thinking they are going to lose their lives. And as a matter of fact, they didn't eat for 14 days. Nothing had changed. And then Paul goes back and talks to them again. But something he does as well. Verse 33 of chapter 27 in Acts. Acts 27, 33. Just as day was dawning, Paul urged everyone to eat. You've been so worried that you haven't touched food for two weeks, he said. Please eat something now for your own good, for not a hair of your heads will perish. Then he took some bread and gave thanks to God before them all. And he broke off a piece and ate it. Then everyone was encouraged and began to eat. All 267 of us who were on board. I love this because he had a message from an angel of God. He spoke it out. Nothing changed. When did it change? When he stood up and said, God's doing this and now I'm going to thank him for it. You guys, this is key. He says, you need to eat, but his thankfulness as he broke the bread. Now, it doesn't tell us what he said, but I can imagine. He's like, Lord, I thank you. We are about to get out of this. We need our strength. Thank you for this bread. Thank you. No one's going to die on this ship. And he eats, and suddenly the mindset of everybody on that ship changed. The storm hadn't stopped, but the mindset of everybody on the ship changed because of Paul's thankfulness. And they ate. Because this is key. Because deliverance was about to come for them, but God first changed their mind and their attitude. The rest of the story, the ship gets stuck on a soundbar and it actually begins to break up from the waves of the storm. They have to go on planks or swim if they could swim and they make it to the island. Not a single person dies. Then God brings revival to that island with Paul. He gets bit by a poisonous snake and they all think he's going to die. And instead, he lives just fine and they decide, hey, this guy must be a god. He prays for many sick people. He shares the good news. An attitude of thankfulness changed the future. 
Has God given you a word? Has God given you a word for your future or your business? And you're like, well, I heard the word. Why is nothing changing? How about you start speaking your thankfulness about what he's about to do? And this is key for you and I about what God wants to do in our community, in our province, in our country. Can you get thankful? Can you be thankful that the COVID craziness is about to end? Can you be thankful that restrictions and mandates will be coming off? Or have you got over in a corner of a ship where you're angry and complaining and it's everybody else's fault? If you're in that corner of the ship, get out and go have some time with God because he wants to show you something good and he wants you to be thankful. Today, I choose to be thankful for what God's bringing and I know it will be good. We are told in scripture to be thankful in every situation. Every situation we can find something to be thankful for and when we do, get ready for good things. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 18. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Be thankful in all circumstances, like at church when the pastor brings a microphone. Okay, it's time. We're going to pick a couple more other people who didn't share yet. What are you thankful for? Okay, because it's Thanksgiving weekend. You can do this. We can all be thankful. All right, I'm going to read you one more verse, and then we're going to begin to wrap it up. So Colossians 3 and verse 15. It says, Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. It's supposed to rule in our hearts. If you've been having other things rule in your hearts, like frustration, fear, worry, put those things aside and remember, peace should rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace. Ah, thank you, Lord, for that, right? We're called to live in peace. And listen, I believe the last part of the verse tells us how we can live in peace. It says, and always be thankful. Thankfulness brings joy. It brings peace. It can change the future of your situation. Let's be thankful and let's continue to be thankful. I want to give you a little bit of a challenge before we close in prayer. This week, I want to challenge you to make a list of things you're thankful for. Okay? You start that list and you only get two, then go back to it again until you've got a list. When you have that list, then I want you to read them out. If you've put somebody on the list, then I want you to go to them and express your thankfulness. Okay? So that's your challenge for this week. Get a thankful heart, a thankful attitude, and I'll tell you what, it's going to change things in your situation and in your life.